Hey everyone, hope you're having a great week. We are in week four of our look at the practice of Sabbath. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been exploring Genesis chapter two. We're kind of making our way through the Bible and tracking the development of the Sabbath as a thing. And in Genesis 2, we found what is effectively a foundational text. And, and everything else we will talk about uh, related to Sabbath builds off the foundation of Genesis 2. Because in Genesis 2, God rested from his work of creation. And if there's a key takeaway for us from Genesis 2, it's that God's rest was not necessarily about rest in the way that we are inclined to think about it. Um, but that it was more about ceasing. God stopped his work on the seventh day. And we saw last week how the word that gets translated there uh, as rest ha has to do with ceasing. Um, and so that's something for us to hold on to as we um, continue through this journey, because Sabbathing for us, practicing the Sabbath, is not just about like taking a nap or getting some rejuvenation. It is largely about stopping our work. And you would think that that would be the thing that we all most would want, right? Like that, that would be easy for us on some level. Please let me stop my work. And yet it actually is one of the most difficult things for us. And uh, what we see in scripture is that it was also very difficult for the people of Israel as well. So the first time the word Sabbath comes up in the Bible is in the book of Exodus. Uh, I realized after the fact that I actually misspoke last week. I said the first time that it popped up was in Exodus 23, I think, which it is there in Exodus 23. That's not the first time, though, we see it in the book of Exodus. It's actually just a few chapters earlier in Exodus 16, and it comes up as God is talking about uh, or talking through Moses to the people about the manna that he's providing for them, this, this bread that's like appearing on the ground uh, and is providing sustenance for the people of Israel. And that, that's the first place that this word comes up, Exodus 16. I'm going to read that text to us in just a moment. Um, but before I do that, I want to just sort of set the stage for where the people of Israel are at this point. They're out in the wilderness, but, but they have come out of hundreds of years of slavery in the nation of Egypt. And Exodus paints a picture for us of what their slavery was like. It was very, very difficult, very, very strenuous. They labored under cruel masters and had just completely unreasonable demands that were placed on them. In Exodus 5, Moses and Aaron come to Pharaoh and say, "Let my God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh responds by basically saying, but if I let them go, who's going to make all the bricks? And he essentially punishes them by demanding even more and more work from them. Theologian Walter Brueggemann uh, brings uh, out that passage, Exodus 5, in really vivid detail. Uh, in a great book that's called Sabbath as Resistance, Saying No to the Culture of Now. And I want to read just a little piece uh, from Brueggemann's book where he talks about Exodus 5 and, and, and sets the stage for 
the Israelites' difficulty with practicing the Sabbath later on. Here's what he says. He says, in Exodus 5, we are given a passionate narrative account of that labor system in which Pharaoh endlessly demands more production. What the slaves are to produce is more bricks that are to be used for the building of more, quote, supply cities, unquote, in which Pharaoh can store his endless uh, uh, endless supply of material wealth in the form of grain. See also Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. Because the system was designed to produce more and more surplus, as we learn in Genesis 47, there is always more need for storage units that in turn generated more need for bricks with which to construct them. Thus, if we follow the required bricks from the slave camps, we end up with surplus wealth taken as a gift of the gods of Pharaoh. In this narrative report, Pharaoh is a hard-nosed production manager for whom production schedules are inexhaustible. And he goes on to just quote uh, a number of verses from Exodus 5, uh, where Pharaoh says things like, Why are you taking the people away from their work? Get to your labors. Um, Exodus 5, 7, and 8 you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, but you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they have made previously. Do not, do not diminish it, for they are lazy. And this just goes on and on and on. Pharaoh demands more and more and more. He isn't providing them with the things that they need to make the bricks. They have to go find all the straw. Um, verse 16, no straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. And what Brueggemann says is the rhetoric is relentless. And it's all to this single point. Um, it's as relentless as the production schedule. And to paraphrase, he goes on to say that there is no place for Sabbath rest in that kind of environment. There is no way that the people can stop because the demand for more and more and more, the demand for production is just endless. And it is out of that environment that the people come into uh, the wilderness. It's out of that environment that they leave Egypt. They are basically acculturated to this culture of productivity, this culture of just relentless production. And again, as welcomed of a thing as it may seem, the people have only ever known endless work. They, they haven't known rest. That is a whole new concept to them. Um, so when we first encounter the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 16, where God is explaining through Moses what the people are to do with the manna, that on the sixth day, they are to collect a double portion of the manna. And then on the seventh day, they're not supposed to go out and gather any bread. They're supposed to just stay put and cease their work. Um, and yet, man, that is so difficult for the people. Let me read this passage to us. This is Exodus 16, starting in verse 21. It says, Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. The manna just dissolved. Verse 22, On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord, a holy ceasing to the Lord, you could say. Uh, bake what you will bake 
and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, meaning the manna did not rot, um, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. They found no manna. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain, each of you, in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. And so the people rested on the seventh day. So even when God has commanded that they rest on the seventh day, and even when he has provided a double portion of bread for them the day before, they still can't seem to rest. They still want to go out and gather. And I think God is upset, not simply because the people have broken a command, but because they're still living in this slave mentality, right? They're still living in this culture of endless production, uh, the relentless pursuit of more, um, and even and that's happening even though they've been freed, right? Even though they've been released seemingly from their slavery and they've been provided for. Um, and God is right, uh, obviously, because this way of thinking, this, this like inability for the people to cease uh, this mindset of endless production, this way of thinking just continues to get them into trouble. And it continues to lead them to poor decision-making. Um, and you see this uh, manifest throughout the book of Exodus. Uh, so I'm going to stop there for today. But I want you to be thinking about, uh, and maybe go read this account. Read Exodus 5, read Exodus 16. But I want you to be thinking about your own difficulty with ceasing work. Not your difficulty maybe with feeling rested or re rejuvenated, but, but just your difficulty with stopping. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, it can be very difficult to just Sabbath at home because most of the week I'm at work and, and, and it, can be, it can be like somewhat doable for me to like stop my like work work, my career work type stuff. But then when I'm at home trying to rest, I just see things that need to be done, right? I, I, I need like, I need to work. And that mindset is pervasive for most of us. And so I want you to think about your own difficulty with ceasing and with stopping. Just you personally, not your family, not anybody else in the world around you, but you personally. Um, in what ways do you try to just continue this relentless pursuit of production or attaining or gathering, as it were. And so think about that over this uh, next week, and then we're going to come back and pick up where we left off and continue this conversation uh, in our video next week, and I'll see you guys then.